Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. Next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. Ed's got a new hat on today. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. No te ves como campesino. I don't look like a peasant anymore. <laughs> so, uh, at the end of our last episode, we highlighted verse 10, which is that by, uh, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And I want to kind of talk a little bit more about this idea of sanctification because of verse 14, it actually brings up, and maybe it's contradictory, maybe it works together, and I'd love to kind of just explore this. For by a single offering, there's a lot here, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So in the previous verses, it seems as though sanctification has been accomplished. On the other side, there's this uh, nod to the idea that sanctification is still happening, being sanctified, as well as has perfected. So there's just a lot of ideas swirling around the mix. Let's talk about sanctification. Sure. Can I throw a monkey wrench into this? Sure. What makes you think that this process of sanctification in verse 14 is referring to those who have been sanctified in verse 10 of Hebrews 10? I, nothing in particular. Just uh, seeing the same words and I'm like, huh. Uh -huh. That is some, that <laughs> it's is not some, a very nuanced reading is what I'm saying. Yeah, that is something that somebody challenged me with. Okay. They're like, yeah, Hebrews 10, 10-10. Uh, mm-hmm. Right? And by the will he has sanctified through the body of Christ. Uh, and by that will, we have been ah, okay. sanctified, right? Sure. So there's a we there, right? And that we seems to be uh, referring to... Uh, those in the faith. Those in the faith, right? Sure. Because the letter is written to those in the faith, right? Mm -hmm. And then, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Huh. Right? So that... Could these be two groups, two different groups of people? Huh. So when, when I interact with people and they're like, how dare you say that you're sanctified or whatever? It's for like, if my story is anything, I'm still a work in progress, da, da, da. Both can be simultaneously true. Um, well, the way that this person challenged me with is that 
There is no more sacrifice for it. There's no sacrifice that will happen ever for humanity ever again. Hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the conclusion of verse 18, where there is forgiveness of these. There is no longer an no. offering for sin. And Christ died once for all for all. Sure. And that all includes all. all <laughs> right. From Adam all the way down to whoever the last human will be. Right. Sure. Like all it all includes all. So then it was one single sacrifice is cosmically sufficient. OK. Since that one sacrifice is cosmically sufficient, what happens to those who have actually, is there a group that actually are sanctified in truth, in life, in practice, in belief, right? Mm -hmm. And are there those who are being sanctified in truth, in life, in practice, in belief? Maybe in life and belief, right? Mm. So that wherever you might land in relationship to Christ, whether for or against him, his sacrifice includes you. Mm Mm-hmm whether you accept it or not. So there's only one sacrifice. Hmm. But there are those who will be and are being sanctified hmm. from the category of unbelief into belief, from uh. death into life, where they will join where they will join those who are in fact sanctified, who have been brought from death to life. So if I reflect back to that time in my life where I'm still trying to wake up to the gospel, I'm kind of figuring out, kind of not, there's still some questions, and I haven't quite really embraced it, made that confession of faith. Mm -hmm. I am in the process of being sanctified in in the sense that I am awakening to the truth as it is in Jesus. That was the challenge that this person posed to me. did, Did you feel like that challenge landed? I feel like it allowed for a different concept of how to make sense of these passages Hmm. in light of the imposition of our theology. Here's what I mean. Tell me what sanctification is historically understood. Like what is sanctification? What was sanctification to you, Ed, before? Oh man, it it was the process of a lifetime, right? It's something that you have to strive and allow you as you do the devotions and you do the prayers and you do follow the spiritual disciplines then you become closer to him in 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 a way of like yeah it's the process things are falling off of your character you're seeing his his love he's for you and and you're becoming more More like like, a saint more Mm -hmm. like a saint i guess Mm -hmm. you know i was i was a little bit disconnected for the first part because my version instead of sanctified says who are being made holy so then I was just like nerding out here on the on the on the on the Greek app. And basically it's just yeah, it's it's the idea of of you know some something that is consecrate consecrated, a thing that is consecrated, venerated. It's from the same root which is holy, the word holy. And I really like that imagery of the sanctuary model, right? The holy place, the most holy place, all the things in the sanctuary are consecrated, are made holy. And the the relationship to their holiness is uh, dictated by their proximity to the one who is holy. So that's right? a good segue right here, right? Because go back, if sanctification and the underlying word is holiness, it's about holy, right? Mm-hmm. What is it to be holy? What does it mean? It means I don't go to www.ishouldn'tbehere.com. Or at least that's <laughs> right? what I thought, right? 100%. Like, this is the idea. It's that I do the right things, don't do the wrong things. Holiness has to do with a life lived. Mm. And sure, that's an effect or a consequence of holiness, but that's not biblically understood what holiness not... first and foremost is. Right. Holiness is first and foremost simply something that is set apart. Yeah. And something that is set apart for the purpose of 
a specific purpose. Yeah, and for the use of God, mm-hmm. right? So when Yahweh, when the God of Israel, right, El Elyon, when he sets something apart, it's holy. Mm-hmm. So it is not in the process of becoming holy. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. holy. When he mm-hmm. moves it from common to uncommon, when he moves it, moves it from common to holy, it is. Mm-hmm. There is no process. Let me ask you, how did things become holy in the Old Testament, how were the vessels made holy in the Old Testament? I don't know washed, for sure. I'm going to assume. Cleansed, purified? Yeah. Some kind they, of ritual. Yep, ritual. They were washed, cleansed, purified. Boom, holy. Mm-hmm. That's it. Washed, they were cleansed, they were purified, made holy. They were consecrated as holy if they got defiled. Washed, cleansed, purified, holy. There was no process for an object to go through arduously Hmm. for its lifetime for it to arrive Hmm. at being set apart for use in the most holy place somehow interestingly enough the idea of an object being made holy it's like the object cannot exert will it's not sentient it's entirely because it's in the hands of the priest that's right right it sounds kind of like luke chapter 15 Hmm. the silver coin when did it stop being a silver coin just because it was dirty no. And it had to be found. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have this idea that holiness is actually something that's set apart for a specific purpose. How does that thing set, get set apart? An external force actually exerts some sort of will upon it, as it were, or it works its will upon it. And that object receives it and then is placed in a geographical location that determines it's being set apartness as holy. And now it's actually used and functions in its holy capacity, in the hands of the, in this case, the priests. So holiness, said differently, holiness is not dependent on your moral perfection. Holiness is dependent on God declaring it so. It is first It is first rooted in God declaring it so. It is first rooted in God consecrating it so. However, because it is so, then that thing is used in that capacity, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So if we are set apart, then we are used and set apartness. And what we do is that this is the responsibility of our will to yield to the holiness that we have received and to yield to yeah. him who is holy. Yeah. So our wills become willing to be willed according to his will that willed our holiness. I was going to say shout out to Will Murphy. Shout out to the Murph <laughs> and shout out to Duran. It, it, it reminds me of uh, Romans where he's like, yield up your body as an instrument to righteousness. 100%. And why? Because as those who have, you ready for the holiness language? Let's go. As those who have been brought from death mm. to life. So that's why you are, in fact, holy mm. because you have been set apart. And what were you set apart from? You were set apart from death and you have been set into life, right? This is prophetic. The psalm. That Hillsong alludes to in their dope song, um, I think it's Hold Me Now, right? You lifted me from the miry clay and you set me on a rock. Mm-hmm. That's holiness language. You have been set apart. Oh. That's something that, that, that rises up to me for, for, for Christians. It's a very common thing to, to say to use the word like let's surrender right let's mm. surrender to his will let's sur- well if you're if you're a, if you're a vessel <laughs> that has been made dirty and needs to be made pure does the vessel have any say in it surrender right mm. to the cleansing of of, of the, the purification process yet why are we so stubborn to receive that 
we have been made pure. Oh, because, you know, the analogy doesn't extend to the complexity of a sentient being, mm. right? So that certainly the inanimate object doesn't have the ability to resist. To resist, but yeah, we do, sure. Right? Mm -hmm. The thing is that we resist a completed work because the object that has been made holy that represents us is Jesus, if we were to use this way. He surrendered to the will of God being made willing through his suffering and learning obedience through his suffering so that he might purify many, so that he might bring many sons. This is Hebrews chapter 2 and 3 earlier on, right? This is the point. And in Hebrews 10, it's so important, and I'm glad you brought this up, to understand that the context of what the author, the pastor, Paul, Hebrews is actually uh, alluding to is the Davidic covenant. And the Davidic covenant is really important to understand in so much as you know that the Davidic covenant is rooted in the well-doing of the king. The Davidic covenant mm -hmm. is rooted in the well-doing of the king. As David goes, so Israel. Mm -hmm. It is not as Israel goes, so David. Mm. It is as David goes, so Israel. And the author of Hebrews is alluding to this Davidic covenant, making all the allusions of the Davidic Psalms to point out that this king that we now have, who is righteousness, our high priest, is the inheritor of the Davidic covenant. So as he goes, so all of Israel. Hmm. So if he is sanctified, he keeps the law. When the kings are inaugurated and they were to read the book and actually keep law, if he keeps the law, it goes well with Israel because he is the intercessor. Hmm. Right. So if their representative has been sanctified, guess what happens to the people? Sanctified. Right. And we resist that will. This is how Paul can speak of. And Ed, help me. I always get it wrong. Is it first Corinthians or second Corinthians seven? First uh, Corinthians seven, 13. First Corinthians seven, 13 and 14. When it talks about a, a, a spouse that sanctifies the other spouse. Hmm. Why? Because there's this, there's, yeah, it represents, but like, there's this, there's this beautiful thing that works that like, yo, to the one that is actually in communion, there is an extension here for those under your influence. Think about the friends that bring the paraplegic or the, yeah, the paraplegic, yeah. the, the paralytic, paralytic thank you, yeah. the paralytic man to Jesus. Because of their faith. Because of their faith. Yeah, and yeah. it's very clear, right? Jesus said, and he saw their faith. 100%. <laughs> so it's the same Dynamic at work, and Jesus, his dynamic extends how much more? To all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, for this is why Paul can say, Jesus is the Savior of all men, mm. especially those who believe. Because those who believe are those who actually receive the sanctification. right? And remember, sanctification is to be set apart. My beloved, I challenge you again, for those who think that sanctification is something that you have to do. You do not... Secure your sanctification. You grow up in your sanctification mm. as you yield to the truth that you are sanctified. But you have no role. <laughs> Let me say this again. You have no role in sanctifying yourself and keeping your sanctification secure. Mm. You are not the one who secures your sanctification. Somebody might say, well, what does it say? Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Paul is talking about actually stewarding your life well apart from his presence in the community mm. when he says that. He's like, I will be there with y'all. So y'all work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Mm. And their fear and trembling oh, in light of he or before he who actually has sanctified them and will keep them sanctified. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because sanctification is actually being set apart for holy things. A couple more examples. Peter, Acts chapter 10, receives a vision. Eat, Peter. Kill, Peter. Right? Mm-hmm. What does Peter say? No, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. Oh, no, I don't mess with unsanctified things. I don't mess with unclean things. Vision again. Take Peter. Kill Peter. (laughs) No, no. Then what happens? Is that knock on the door? Hmm. They're like, yo. Gentile shows up. You up here. They're at Simon the Tanner's house. Yeah. Hey, Peter here. Yeah, who are you? Man, we saw a vision from an angel. You need to come over to Cornelius, the the, the, the Roman uh, centurion. Peter's like, huh? Clicks for Peter. He's like, okay. Goes with his people, comes into the centurion's house. Something he ought not do because to walk into a Gentile's house is to actually Defile defile himself and all of a sudden become unclean, unsanctified. What does Peter do? Goes in there. He's like, oh, I saw this vision. Tells him the story of Jesus, right? And if you want to see the story of Jesus, read Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. You want to see how Peter preaches Jesus, read, read Acts chapter 2. And he's using this Davidic covenantal language. Uh-huh. He did not allow him to see corruption. This is Peter's understanding of the gospel. He's resurrected. And as he talks resurrection, what happens? Holy Spirit falls on him. Holy Spirit <laughs> falls on him. And Peter's like, oh, okay. Goes back to Jerusalem. Then how dare you? Going to a Gentile's house. Y'all did not see what I see. You weren't in the room. You did not see. Yeah, we're the sanctified ones, right? But that offering was for those who are being sanctified. And I saw them literally get sanctified before me as the Holy Spirit fell. Hmm. All of a sudden, I understood. Peter, do not call common what I've made holy oh snap yeah so when we insist on uh, positioning ourselves as anything less than what god says we are going against an explicit command of scripture do not call common what i've made holy mm. and we want to we want to make that about food it's like okay cool we make it about jesus <laughs> jesus has given us his life and now we're living out his life because we believe his life is within us right this whole process of like well sanctification people want something to do in salvation yeah mm. here's something to do in salvation my beloved enjoy believe it you got it <laughs> yeah enjoy yeah. it right? something that just uh, as we're finishing up i guess uh something that just unlocked for me as you were talking about the divinity covenant you know and all of that why was there a divinic covenant to begin with? Because David was a king, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Israel wasn't ma- meant to have a king. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Israel was meant to always be in covenant, in sanctification, mm-hmm. because of God. Intimacy being with their... Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they were always created for that sanctification, even after they wanted to to be like the other nations and have a king, God makes a, a thing, a covenant with mm-hmm. David, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a. I remember talking to Ed. Ed calls me one day, and I think maybe I called him. He called me. I don't know, but he's just reading is it Exodus, Exodus 19? nineteen and Exodus, yeah, Exodus nineteen and twenty, where God tells the people, "Don't come up to the mountain for three days." But if you read it in the Hebrew. The commandment to not come up to the mountain is not there. 
Whoa. It's don't touch the mountain for three days. And then after the three days, it's come Allah. Up. Come yeah. up. Purify right? yourselves. Cleanse your Yeah. Area. Allah, come up. You purify yourselves. And then come up, right? Huh. And um, they fear and they don't come up. Yeah. Right? Because oh. they haven't purified themselves and they haven't sanctified. Oh, and then what happens? And they go crazy. They just don't come up. So who's up there by himself? Moses. God. Oh, God. Waiting. He's not even up there. He's, he's trying to throw a party for his sanctified ones that he's freed. He's trying to, all right, purify yourselves, yeah. then come up. And they don't believe or receive the word in fear. They turn away and they don't come up. And who's left by himself with, yeah. you know. With the, with the streamers, the cake. That's the image that rose up for yeah. me. Yeah. That's the image Eddie calls. God was up there with like. A party, cake, streamers <laughs> waiting for his people. He's like, and they left them by no themselves. Showed Nobody showed up. Dang. And then who comes up? Moses. And then Moses is the intercessor. And this is a this is actually prophetic because yeah, he, this didn't, is, he didn't want an intercessor. He wanted intimacy from. He the very wanted everybody, help. right? Exodus nineteen four. You saw what I did as I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought mm-hmm. you to myself. He wanted them for him. But people were, didn't feel they were worthy. They were fearful, so they didn't come up. And then what happens? One arises, Moses. And then God says, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. In the future, one like Moses will arise, mm-hmm. and he will be the representative of them all. Mm-hmm. And what he does will sanctify all of them if they believe. Mm-hmm. And through him, they have access to me. This is literally Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole idea of sanctification, my beloved, you are sanctified in Jesus' name. Why? Because you have been set apart for holy things. Because you have been brought from death to life. There is no condemnation. You have been transformed because you're brand new. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11. You have been washed. You have been made clean by the blood of Jesus. You are sanctified. So actually believe that you have been made what he says you are. Yes, you're still in these mortal fleshly bodies. But the spirit that is within you is renewing day by day, getting fuller, bigger, bigger, exploding in the revelation because you have been set apart. You are a holy vessel because that's how Paul talks to every single church he writes to, to the saints, to the saints. And you know what the word is for saints, right? That saints is actually a terrible translation because you know what the translation is, right? Hagios. To the holy ones. To the holy ones. To the sanctified ones. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> let's go so and, and think about it. he says that to the Corinthians yeah and they were the worst yeah they so, were like Eddie yeah they were like what Eddie used to shout be. out to Death of Life because your episode just dropped uh, at least to us a couple days ago yeah, yeah yeah. you were the worst I was the worst and you were set apart I was set apart sanctified made holy Jesus I believed Lord. it I received it I walked it out I mean this is the thing, like what Jonathan is saying, right? My beloved, if you want to take part of the sanctification process, believe that you are so. That's it. 